Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Naturally Nino podcast. I am so excited. I have an awesome guest today. Um, his name is Dr. Ben Reeves, and he's an award-winning naturopathic physician, author of The Serpent and the Butterfly, The Seven Laws of Healing, and founder of Portland Clinic of Natural Health, an integrative medicine clinic that specializes in helping to resolve chronic disease with natural medicine. He is recognized as a leading expert in mind-body healing and alternative medicine. He is a member of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, the Oregon Association of Naturopathic Physicians, and an active volunteer for the Naturopathic Medicine Institute. He currently lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife, Maria. In his free time, he enjoys spending time with his family, songwriting, cooking, and traveling the world. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> How do you manage it all? <laughs> yeah, I guess there's no such thing as balance, right? <laughs> manage one time. Thanks so much for having me, Nino. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this also. So um, I guess the first thing I want to say is, um, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself, like um, before all of these awards and <laughs> all of these associations that you're part of, I guess, you know, what's, what's your story? Like, how did you, how did this all even manifest? I know, um, I read a little bit, um, on your website that you said you grew up in nature amongst a family of healers. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest here in, uh, kind of near Portland, Oregon, just a couple hours North of here. And, um, my parents moved to the woods when I was seven years old. We, um, wow. my grandfather gave us a piece of land that my parents inherited. And so we moved there and there was nothing on the land. And my dad's got a background in building. Uh, he's a carpenter and kind of a general contractor, uh, at least in his experience then. And so he built the house from the ground up and um, we grew, we, we lived in the woods basically uh, off the grid. We, we drilled a well when I was seven and then we even lived in um, military canvas tents for two years while we were building. Wow. And I was, I was homeschooled uh, living off the grid. So all I did was build campfires every morning and uh, run through the woods and things wow. like that really close to nature and that's kind of my background that's so funny um you literally lived my husband's dream life um he wants us to move into the woods <laughs> and be off the grid if it was up to him uh he would probably not be part of society and i'm like well we have to be kind of part of society <laughs> <laughs> but that is awesome. I mean, uh, both of us are lovers of the woods, so I can only imagine. I mean, as I was saying before we got onto this call, we lived in Colorado and we were obsessed with the mountains. Um, that's amazing, though. What what was it that inspired your parents to go live in the woods, though? They were uh, feeling drawn to get away from the so-called American dream. They wanted to... Uh, and this was back then, which is yeah. so funny. Yeah, I mean, wow. they just they felt moved to, um, their, their favorite thing in the world was camping and living in the woods. And um, they've just always loved nature more than anything. Uh, and so they, once they had the chance, they kind of planned it and they did it. Wow. And from the age of seven to 20, I lived that way. So for about 14 years uh, until I moved away for, for university. Wow. So, so you were homeschooled the, uh, your whole entire life then? 
I was homeschooled until uh, 14 years old. Basically, when I turned okay. 14, I said, Mom, I want to go to I want to go to school. I want to be like normal kids. I want to go to football games. I want to hold hands with, with girls at dances. I wanted to just, <laughs> I was like, Mom, I want to be normal. She's like, okay. <laughs> so I started uh, high school at 14 and um and what was, was the transition like? Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. It was a um, it was a couple of years of you know getting used to uh, to to how um, regular education worked. Luckily, I had a lot of friends who went to school, and my parents mm -hmm. were um, they they went to school you know when they were in high school, and they they um, uh, were were athletes and um, fairly normal adjusted people. So like, luckily I had that ability to kind of transition, but it definitely took a couple of years. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> now, do they still live in the woods? They do, so they have a house in the woods, the same house, and then they also have one in the city where they run their business. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of the marriage of two worlds and they, they, they spend equal time at both places, but their heart and soul is still in the woods. It's, that's it's incredible. Incredible. I love that. And then I know you did. So you, originally you first started getting in, you know, you became a cook, right? So you decided to tie in nature with cooking. And I guess because you were raised, you know, did your parents practice like botanical medicine and like traditional medicine growing up? Not so much. Um, we did a lot of food as medicine and, okay. um, we were influenced just like so many American families and, and families throughout the world, influenced by whatever dietary trends were going on. So, you know, when um, fat-free cooking was in and all the, I mean, we went through kind of all the trends, but okay. we were cooking from scratch. So lots of home cooking. I, I learned to make bread when I was five. And wow. so I would make homemade bread at least once a week, starting at the age of Five. Wow. <laughs> I my knees, like kneading the dough. <laughs> and, um, you know, of course, it was um, whole wheat flour and I'd make sourdough and all kinds of things. And yeah, was, but homemade bread is like the best thing ever. Yeah, like that smell brings me back memories of my childhood. Yeah. Wow. Do you still make it? I haven't for a while. I don't really do gluten these days, I haven't done it much. Right. I, I can do it. I don't have a gluten intolerance. Yeah. I have a little mild sensitivity. It, it kind of, it, it wrecks my gut a little bit. So I, I, I know anything though. It's so good. Yeah. I don't do gluten either anymore, but, um, so Georgians, I'm half Georgian. And so Georgians make this, uh, bread that they cook in a kiln. Oh my God heaven it's literally heaven on earth it is my ultimate weakness and that is the only time that i will cheat and take a little bite of it because it tastes so good but i am on a mission to find like the perfect gluten-free vegan bread recipe that can mimic that fluffiness of real bread haven't found it yet but i keep searching <laughs> let me know if you find it i will <laughs> So yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So cooking, how did you get into that? Or where did you even start? Well, I, um, I went to University of Washington in Seattle and got my degree in linguistics. So my first love was really language. Mm -hmm. So I studied French, German, Chinese, Spanish, Greek, Latin. 
And my first love was, was language and writing and literature. So that's kind of mainly what I did in the woods was read. Right, because um, what else are you going to do? Yeah, not a lot to do other than play around. So um, we also did a lot of cooking. And so cooking was something that I'd been doing for a long time. I, uh, I graduated from university and then I got a job at Whole Foods when I was 20. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, at the age of 21, I moved to uh, the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California. Um, actually, it was about a year after that, around 22, 22 and a half. And when I moved to Esalen in Big Sur, I fell in love with the kitchen. I just, yeah. I said, I have to work in this kitchen. So I, within two to three months, I was in that kitchen, surrounded by all of these amazing chefs and cooks who'd all gone to like Culinary Institute of America and um, all of these, they'd gotten their formal training there. And so I became a head cook in there under their tutelage. Wow. And also I became a head baker for the entire um, community. So I would cook all of the baked goods for 300 people. Wow. uh, And I would also cook the meals for 300 people and I'd be running the the kitchen. Uh, So I'd have maybe a staff of eight or nine people under me. So I really learned, and I did that for 18 months. So about a year and a half. Wow. This was a steep learning curve. And that's really where I became a, I don't say I'm a chef, I'm a cook. (laughs) And then I've been cooking ever since. So that was, that was about 17 years ago. Um, So I've been cooking nonstop. Wow. You're going to have to share some of your recipes in that case. (laughs) That's awesome. And so how long did you end up doing that for until you realized you wanted to go back to school? Um, Because, you know, naturopathic medicine, I mean, that's like, it's not a two year degree, you know, it's a four year commitment as well. And especially now that you're older and have a lot more commitments, I'm sure, and responsibility um, to also work, you know, how, I guess, what inspired you to do that? Yeah, so after I lived at Esalen, and Esalen is, it's probably the most famous retreat center in the U.S. It, it was founded in uh, 1962. And, I'm not sure if I heard about them. It's in Big Sur, California. It's about four hours south of San Francisco. Uh-huh. And the national park um, in Big Sur. Um, what do they focus on? They focus on mind-body medicine, basically. Oh. Um, and so famous uh, artists and philosophers and um, healthcare practitioners and writers and thinkers and scientists and even politicians have spent mi- much time there over the last 50 years. Wow. Uh, like um, Aldous Huxley lived there who wrote, um, Night- or who wrote Brave New World, um, Fritz, Af- or, um, Fritz Perls who founded um, Gestalt Psychotherapy lived there. Um, Ida Rolf, who founded Rolfing, lived there. Uh, Alan Watts, uh, the famous Zen philosopher, lived there. Um, Abraham Maslow, who founded uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, spent a lot of time there. Gabriella Gabriella Roth, who founded the five types of dance, the the five movements of dance, she lived there. So just thousands of people. And then Joan Baez was there. Bob Dylan was there. The Beatles were there. A lot of the, 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 the kind of the the counterculture of the 70s was there. Uh, and then uh, Joseph Campbell, who um, the mythologist would spend time there every year on his birthday teaching, um, and that was his favorite place in the world. Uh, so just lots and lots of really well-known men and women 
uh, were there. And I, I happened to meet a lot of them and spend time with them over the course of a year and a half and, and spend time with a lot of healers and teachers. Uh, like Ram Das was there and just lots and lots of really, really famous people. Uh, so wow. I was basically cooking for them, studying music and studying uh, mind-body medicine. Uh, and that kind of uh, springboarded me into wanting to be in the field of healing, but not really mm -hmm. knowing what I was called to do exactly. So I kind of found, found my way through uh, various uh, careers that all had to do with um, health and wellness. Mm -hmm. So like I became a um, marketing communications manager for a, um, for a dot com in San Francisco that specialized in health and wellness. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I also became, uh, I, I started a little company uh, that, that, I, that I, where I founded, where I did marketing for um, small businesses that were in like food and health and wellness. Mm -hmm. It was always um, something along the lines of that. And, uh, and then once I found naturopathic medicine, which I didn't even, I didn't even know naturopathic medicine existed That's until it. I was 27, I think. Uh, wow. I didn't know what, the, what the word meant. You know, I knew about uh, uh, holistic medicine and alternative medicine, but I didn't even know what naturopathy was until, until then. So. Wow. That's incredible. So it was, it wasn't just something that you knew you wanted to do. It's kind of like been a part of you and it's almost like your journey and your path kind of drew you towards it on its own and it found you in a way. Yeah. When I, when I turned 28, uh, as so many people do, they have that kind of that Saturn return where it takes, you know, it takes 28 and a half years for Saturn to go around the sun. And so really have a, they have an identity crisis. Everyone has an identity crisis around 27 and a half to 29 and a half. Okay. This is like really real for me right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh my God, epiphany moment right now. I'm not crazy. <laughs> What's going on for you? <laughs> Do you want to know? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I'm 28 right now, and I definitely had a moment like that where at 27, especially, I think 27 was the hardest year ever for me because I felt completely lost, um, confused. Um, I know that nutrition is a very big part of my life, but so is art. So um, art, I mean, I went to my first art class when I was four years old. And then I majored in art when I was in high school, as well as when I was in college. Um, and then in college, though, I went to I went to study abroad. And that's when I just, you know, kind of like opened myself up to the world because I studied abroad in Europe and got exposed to a ton of the art that I used to read about in all the textbooks and dream about and thought I would never see in my life until I was walking in the Vatican, speechless, and my friend, well, the friends that I made there were like, you know, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm okay. I just don't like, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is surreal. I used to dream about this. And when I came back, um, this was also the same time when nutrition started to really play a big factor in my life. And I started to see a lot of the changes because I had, um, by that time, I had eliminated dairy, I had eliminated meat, um, I had eliminated soy, um, gluten, um, I was still eating fish from time, like, yeah, I was still eating fish at the time, but those other major big groups I had eliminated, oh, including processed sugar, which was a really big one for me. Um, 
And so I started to become really fascinated with nutrition too. And I decided to take a couple of classes because I had a lot of friends that were taking all their pre-med classes and I did well in the sciences. And, you know, I, I did kind of let other people start to interfere with my head because my dream was to become a graphic designer. But then it was like, when you come from a Russian background, you don't have a good profession unless you're a doctor or a lawyer. And it was like, well, you know, you know, art is great and it's wonderful that you enjoyed this, but if you have the head for medicine, you really should go into medicine. It just makes sense. Why would you not? It's the only profession where you will always have a job. And I kind of gave into that, I think, uh, because I was like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, I do like it, you know, might as well. And how else am I going to inspire millions of people to live healthy if I'm not a doctor? Who's going to listen to me, you know? So that's my story of how I went to medical school. I went there um, and I hated it. I like, I would cry almost every day and I left after my first semester because it didn't feel right to my core. Um, I was like, we're not learning nutrition. Um, and later down the line, when we start to learn synthetic drugs, like I don't want to spend a semester learning all the different drugs that need to be prescribed to a certain disease. Like that's not what I'm about. Like I'm all about preventive medicine, not to knock Western medicine. I think every type of medicine has its own place. I personally just resonate more with preventive medicine. And that's what feels right to me. In cases where none of that helps and you're already in your you know last case scenario then yeah you go to western medicine but um it wasn't thrilling for me and then i started to think about oh my god 10 years of this how am i gonna do this four years of school four years of residency uh and then my rest of my life i'm living in a cubicle and that's it diagnosing people but guess what no one even listens to their doctors when they tell them what to do so i'm like you know, what are you doing? Like, you do not need to be a doctor to be heard. So hence, my whole transition into leaving medical school, I contemplated going to naturopathic school as well for a long time. Um, but my husband was just a little hesitant because I had just went and spent five months and then hated it and left. And I, I went on alone. <laughs> like, there's no one paying for me. So I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, I want to do it, but I'm scared. I want to do it, but I'm scared. But I also love art. And like, I always had a dream to design. And so long story short, um, after I came back, I did get certified as a health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, um, started my health blog, and also started working in marketing, which is funny, but then realized that I have a love for design and creativity, and that's the natural instinct for me. So I went back to school, um, and I'm in school right now to get my master's in architecture. Oh, wow. Um, so I, that's why, like, my podcast and, like, everything I blog about, I decided, you know what? I just feel like this is just my calling and what I'm supposed to share with the world, but for my career, I want to design and do other stuff um, as opposed to nutrition, even though nutrition holds a very big place in my heart. And now that I have, that I started my podcast, I'm able to share that and talk to people like you, you know, or, or other doctors or other dietitians and nutritionists and hear their journey um, 
of what inspired them and what continues to inspire them. So did you do the whole pre-med track and then get matriculated into a medical school and then start that whole program? That's, yeah, that's a long journey right there in and of itself. Yeah. It's not easy yeah, I, I grad, no, it's not. Um, I graduated a year later, actually, because I didn't switch my major. I, um, so I majored in art and child development. And then I took prerequisites for medical school on top of that. So it was, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, I make it sound easy now, but it, yeah, it was definitely a very, very difficult decision to make at that time. But I am, I'm very happy with where I am right now and what has resulted because of that. Because I think that had I stuck through it, um, I would have been in my third or fourth year right now. And I, to be honest, would have probably been very, very miserable. Yep. So <laughs> I'm happy and everything happens for a reason. So I do believe that. But that's why it's so funny to me that you say around the 28, 27 and a half to 28 year mark, because I, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's why almost every famous artist or scientist or has kind of a breakthrough around that time. And sometimes it's not oh. for the better. Uh, I mean, a lot, we've lost a lot of great uh, musicians around that time, like Janis yeah. Joplin, Hendrix, uh, Kurt Cobain, a lot of really famous, and that, that's the dark side of it. But yeah, we all go through an identity crisis. And so right around that time for me, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I, I, had, I had achieved success, uh, some financial success, uh, and I was very good at what I put my mind to, but I realized this isn't it. This isn't quite what's going to float my boat. It's not going to make me happy. And so I really started to look into medicine and I started to interview doctors and I started to read uh, dozens and dozens of books on every um, type of medicine, yeah. uh, you know, osteopathic medicine, allopathic medicine, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. I, and then I found naturopathic medicine and I, I just fell in love, you know, I just wow. was, I was hooked from the very beginning. I was like, wow, this brings brings together, I can be a real doctor, I can still prescribe, I, I have primary scope in some states, the, uh, the same scope of, like here in Oregon, we have the same scope of practice as a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. So I have, I, have a, like I have a DEA license, I can prescribe any schedule two drug, uh, I, and not that I prescribe them, but it also means that I can de-prescribe, I have the right, right to take people off these drugs. And it also means I'm educated in what, it, what these drugs do, and, and so it just gives me more um, uh, um, scope and, and more education uh, f from experience as a doctor. Uh, but anyway, wow. when I found this, this medicine, I just was like, wow, it brings together all of that and, and all of the natural medicine world. I have, to, I have to learn botanical medicine and physical medicine and nutrition. And then on top of that, I get to be an entrepreneur. There's a creative aspect. Uh, there's not just a a business or a scientific mm -hmm. aspect, creative aspect. And of course, business is so much creativity as well as um, science and using research and facts. So what I'm doing just brings together all of my joy into one thing. Oh, I love hearing that. It's always amazing when you hear people talk about what they're doing with passion and excitement, um, because I do believe that that is how it should be. And I think that at times it does feel very risky but 
if it makes you happy, like that's amazing, right? Like we only have one life to live and why not take the risk to follow your passion and do that thing that you really want to do. I mean, for me, it was really scary too, because I worked so hard to get into medicine and go down that route where, and then at 27 years old, I'm like, okay, so, um, you know, I told my husband, Hey babe, um, so I'm going to go into design now because that's what I've always wanted to do. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel called to do it. Um, so I'm going to do it, <laughs> but I, I haven't been happier. I feel like myself again. And even though sometimes I could get down and think about, you know, in the beginning when I first dove back into it and started, you know, you look at your colleagues, not your colleagues, but like the people that you grew up with, like your friends who are the same age and they stuck to the same career and they're making a lot more money than you are because they stuck to one path and it's like wow you know like if you just didn't jump around you would be making the same amount but you're not and you know also like our family like we moved around three times or four times already me and my husband together like moved places even that alone to our family members was like, whoa, what are they doing? Like, they're just hopping around from place to place. And it's like, we're not just aimlessly hopping around. We're trying to find a place that feels right to us because we both grew up in Brooklyn. I don't think that Brooklyn is the best place to raise a family. I just don't. I mean, yeah, I grew up there and I, you know, I definitely was in the party scene, hardcore for some time. Um, until I was like, whoa, wait, I don't want to do this. Like I'm completely destroying my body and I need a heal now. And I left it, but you know, uh, we wanted to find a place where there was more nature, you know, to your point, because I think as humans, we crave that connection to nature and the energy that it fuels us with, because without the sunlight, without all the greenery, how can we possibly energize our inner selves to give out energy to others if we can't energize ourselves? And New York at this point, I mean, it's, it's crazy populated. It's insane. Like, insane. And so we're living in Philly now, as I was telling you, um, not too far out of the city, a couple of minutes, but there's so much greenery I can't even explain to you this. Every time I walk outside, I'm so happy. I'm like, do you see these trees? <laughs> do you see how much greenery there is here? So, awesome. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, following what you love will lead to all the successes um, because you're not going to feel like you're working hard towards it. It's something that you are just naturally curious about. Right, right, I agree. And you, so as you were saying, um, you know, you clearly like to be creative as well as you were saying. So I would love actually um, to touch on your book that you wrote, The Serpent and the Butterfly. I think that's such an awesome title when I um, saw that. Um, so do you guys, so for anyone listening, do you want to kind of share a little bit about your book and kind of just a snippet of like what it's about and 
what inspired you to even write a book? Yeah, so this book is the book that I wish I had read when I was 20 years old. It would have changed mm -hmm. my life. And I realized there was no book out there that was, that was sort of a small compendium that summarized the laws of healing that healthcare and practitioners, healers, doctors, herbalists, massage therapists have been using for centuries, for millennia, mm. with calling them by different names, uh, using clinical observation, using science. Uh, this book, I realized this book didn't exist. And also a book that basically summarizes what naturopathic doctors do mm. uh, in their day-to-day practices and kind of going back to the roots of the medicine and seeing what the great um, writers and thinkers and doctors had had written about. Now, unfortunately, many of them are, you know, white males, right? Because that's just the, the history. I also wanted to give, give credit to all of the unnamed uh, women and transgenders and just people of all different walks and races and genders and ethnicities and how they've contributed to this medicine. And I believe that this medicine really did come perhaps from, I believe the first integrative medicine practitioner was a mother. And the reason I believe that, even though it, it doesn't really matter and, and no one could ever prove it, but just from a common sense perspective and knowing biology, um, I believe that the first doctor was actually a woman by virtue of her biology because a mother knows what tincture to give her child when they have a fever. A mother knows what to do uh, when her child is sick or you know, wh while her partner is out killing things and um, killing animals and I mean, if, going back way back, um, things happen, uh, there's injuries. Now I believe that there is, I mean, everyone had medicine, whether it was female or male, it's not really mm -hmm. a, a gender-specific thing. I just wanted to kind of level the playing field a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a political thing. It was more just a feeling of wanting to give credit. So this book also kind of gives credit to that. And then, um, and then also gives credit to the founders of this medicine. And mm -hmm. but, then it, but then it shows that it goes way back to Egypt and, and even beyond Egypt. Uh, the, 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 the laws of healing in the body have been the same and have always been the same. And if we can work with the innate healing capacity of the human body, as opposed to working against it, mm -hmm. then we have much more of a greater likelihood of restoring normal structure and function to the human organism. Wow. I love that. And is that, so was that already after you became um, a naturopathic physician or was that before you dove into it? I had that dream as I was getting into it. Um, I really, I saw the need. And then as I learned more, I just, I had a vision of this book. And um, it took me about eight years to complete, I would say. Uh, and I have to say, I did it. I, uh, the book is, you know, it's just this tiny little book. You can read it in about an hour, hour and a half. And it's science-based, it's evidence-based as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's really a blend of like mind-body medicine. It's a blend of new tech, high tech, technology, science, evidence-based medicine with the wisdom of tradition and 
old school proven techniques, old school proven methods that have been clinically tested and clinically observed for millennia. So kind of bringing these two worlds together is sort of, is my passion, it's my drive in life. Mm -hmm. I think that we're all obsessed with technology. I know I, know I am obsessed with MTHFR and genetic SNPs and you know, SIBO and all the, the cool hip and functional medicine <laughs> and everything. And it's great, it's really cool, but at the end of the day, there's something missing. And we all, then we go back to like, okay, let's get back to shamanism. Let's get back to uh, the roots of, of, let's get back to intention as a modality. Let's get back to the energetic properties of herbs and the wisdom of the body, how the body has certain signs and symptoms that it communicates as it's moving in the direction of healing. And how do we read that? How do we decipher that language? And so kind of bringing those two worlds together, that's what this book is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's millennial proof. Like it's millennials love it. It's, it's not um, outdated language. It's, it's lighthearted. Uh, and it's a quick read. It doesn't, it's not going to take too much time. It's um, also not too heavy in language that is, um, uh, you know, industry specific. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's, it's quoting uh, hundreds of studies and showing that I've done my due diligence. So kind of just, that's, that's like why I wrote this book was just, to kind of like, because because people are like, what is naturopathic medicine? What, what, or, what <laughs> I know people are always so confused. Even when I had um, mentioned it to a couple of people and I was like thinking about it, they're like, what? Is that even real? And I'm like, yes, it is real. It is a real thing and it exists. And it's actually what I believe in. And like, there are people out there who are practicing this. Um, and I think we need more people to be vocal about it. And to talk more about it. And I, you know, there are many naturopathic doctors who I think do 10 times of a better job than a regular doctor. Um, and I think it's also important to remind people that there's nothing that mandates you to go to a doctor versus a naturopathic doctor. Like you can choose who you go to. It doesn't matter. They're all the same. I mean, granted, um, as you were mentioning to your point, not all states have the same licensure, but I know that it's expanding. And I know that um, many of the states that don't have the equivalent licensure for naturopathic doctors yet are definitely fighting for it and working on it. And I personally pray that it happens sooner and faster um, because I do think it's important. Um, I think that naturopathic doctors, the nice thing, what sets them apart, including yourself, is that you take into consideration um, what else can you do um, to change the environment um, around that person, meaning, right? Um, like, what does their atmosphere look like? Um, what are they consuming? What are they putting onto their bodies, right? What is their lifestyle like? Um, what are their um, just every, like what, how much stress did they get from their jobs, right? Yep. So taking all of those little considerations and partnering it with medicine. Yeah. You know, and really aiming to, figure out, okay, well, based on what you have, is there a way 
where we can do something about it to, you know, um, try and alter maybe an aspect of your lifestyle that will maybe help you get off of one of your medications. Maybe, if you're willing, right? <laughs> maybe not everyone's willing to do that. <laughs> but, um, and I think that also uh, brings us to the whole mind-body connection, right? Which is, uh, I think, a really popular topic nowadays, especially with um, all of this information that's um, coming out, especially linking the mind to the gut and all of that stuff. So for the listeners that are listening, for people who might not be too familiar with this concept, do you kind of want to, um, you know, share some expert advice on explaining the mind-body connection in simple terms? Yeah, so basically it speaks to this idea there's a connection between the mind and the body and the mind is more than just the mind we know uh, that to be the case it's uh, mm -hmm. it, it's spiritual it's emotional it's not just in our head and um disease is basically an imbalance uh, it's it's a disease it's a it's an imbalance in the system and that that imbalance can be in our body it can be in our um, emotional body it can be in our spiritual body it can be uh, originating from any level and the human being is more than just the body the human being is so much more mm -hmm. thoughts feelings beliefs spirituality soul and we, we have this physical body that follows the basic laws of science so the mind-body medicine really acknowledges those different realms as all as one one whole, and and then when we look for imbalances, we don't just look for imbalances in the body, because sometimes an imbalance in the emotions can manifest as a as a disease or a disturbance in the body, or vice versa. Sometimes mm -hmm. a, a an injury or a, a disturbance in the body can then affect us emotionally or psychologically or spiritually. So kind of just acknowledging all of that, I think that gets to the point. And then I think that my earlier point of how we can balance technology and evidence-based medicine with old school proven techniques mm -hmm. is kind of a beautiful example of the balance of body and mind because uh, the, we know we know so much about the body now. The human genome has been mapped out for about a decade, and then we also have these lineages from these different healing traditions that have been mm -hmm. passed down in every culture. And there's so much precious information in, in those systems as well. And a lot of it kind of transcends evidence-based medicine. Mm -hmm. So kind of bringing those two worlds together. No, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, I think there's definitely a very strong connection there. <laughs> and then um, I guess, um, is there, um, I mean, what would you tell people? I mean, how do you stay healthy? Yeah, uh, for me, I, I thought about this and I, I think <laughs> one, the number one thing for me is avoiding the foods that my body cannot digest. Okay. How, so, for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, but how would you, I think what I've noticed is oftentimes I'll say the same thing. And oftentimes I hear a lot of feedback of, okay, Nino, um, 
the things you don't digest. How do people really know what they don't digest? I think that's the misconception that happens because um, people are so used to eating everything. Uh, For example, I grew up eating everything under the sun. And so if you told me that just now, I would have no idea what you're talking about because I would tell you, um, okay, well, I'm eating it, so. Right. How, how would you explain that? So I'd say the first thing would be to work with an integrative health practitioner, a health coach, a naturopathic physician, a functional medicine doctor, just find somebody that you resonate with who can help you. I don't think people should try to do it by themselves. I think it's okay. too challenging. I think it leads to, um, to things not really working so much. I think we, mm. we need to seek out those who know. And there are many ways to get there. There are many roads to get to Rome, they say. And there are lots <laughs> of different, uh, you know, you can do the Diadamo blood type diet. You can do the IgG food sensitivity diet. You can do the oligo um, you know elimination diet you can do the SIBO diet the gaps diet there's so many different diets i'm personally not really into any of them mm-hmm. um, although i respect all of them i, I and, and sometimes just the right one is for my patient so like mm. i've got a lot of vegan patients i've got a lot of plant-based patients i've got a lot of weston a price patients i've got paleo patients i've got keto patients I meet all of them where they are. I've got patients who love Dr. Peter Diadamo's work and they follow their blood type diet to the T and I totally wow. love that. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I think one thing I'd like to say is that the rage right now is IgG food sensitivity testing. That's kind of the rage. That's what most people are doing across all of America and throughout many parts of the world. Interesting. It's about, about a $400 test. You drop a tube or two of blood mm-hmm. and then you run it you know, through a, um, a series of tests and then you get back IgG antibodies to it. Mm. Now, here's the thing. It changes every month or two, depending on what you eat. So if you rerun that test, it's going to be different in a mm. month or two. And then if a person removes those foods from their diet, it's going to be completely different. Those, those antibodies most likely will disappear for good. So it's not necessarily a reliable test in terms of getting the truth about what one shouldn't eat. Mm. It's more of a temporary thing to lower inflammation for a little while and then heal the gut. So that's how a lot of people use it. They're like, okay, let's, let's take out, you know, corn and soy and dairy and gluten and all the things. And let's, let's do that for a couple months. I'll put you on my supplements and then let's get your gut healed. And then we can try to reintroduce these foods. Mm. Now it doesn't it it works for some people and then for other people it doesn't work. So I think the jury is out on that. Um, it kind of brings back well, how do we really know? And the, the, right. the standard is the elimination diet. But how many people in today's age can really carry out an elimination diet? It's 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 a lot of work to have that's to. So re- funny because that's what I always advise. I think it's the most uh, proven, true method um as being able to really feel your body so something i always kind of um tell people is that until you feel it you don't know because i didn't know what my body can actually digest until i stopped eating certain things 
And then I was like, whoa, I'm awake. Like, oh my God, my stomach isn't hurting. I have energy after I eat my meal. I'm not feeling sluggish. I'm not feeling fatigued. I feel awake. Wait a second, why? Why did this happen? Oh, I stopped eating dairy. Oh, I stopped eating sugar. Although I must say, sugar was the hardest thing I ever gave up. And for anyone listening, not just sugar, all sugar, but processed sugar. I still ate fruit. Hardest thing I ever did in my entire life. And I think, um, was it the documentary Fed Up that relates sugar addiction to cocaine and it, how it's even worse? I believe so. I think it's Fed Up, right? I, I do recall that. And I, I'm almost I positive. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yep. And there is truth to that. I, and I remember um, I used dates to help me uh, get over my sugar addiction. I ate so many dates. It was probably bad for me, but I justified it with the fact that like I'm learning how to rely on natural sugar than over processed sugar. And once I make that switch, I'll be able to cut back on the dates, which I did. But I agree with you. It's um, I think working with, um, a coach or a naturopathic doctor or somebody um, who has experience with this is definitely a lot easier. I, I did do it on my own, but it was not uh, an easy journey or a fast journey. I experimented on myself. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that, yeah, elimination diet. Um, and I mean, do you want to explain the elimination diet real quick, actually? I could. I see. I don't really um, recommend it to my patients um, mm -hmm. necessarily, but I'm not against it. It just it it's just most of my patients can't carry it out. They're just they you know it's a mom with three kids and they you know they're a full time teacher or something and it's just too much. So um, the elimination diet you basically take everything out and um, and you go go with a very simple um, uh, very very simple diet of broths and so on things that are not allergenic and then you and then you reintroduce each thing uh, for several days to um, to a week or so and, and you see how you react and so it take it can take two to three months mm -hmm. to uh, to pull off I, I think generally to do it right it takes a little bit longer than that but that's the basic idea and it really does work it's very powerful um, I do um, a special um, evaluation in my office that actually originated here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, oh. It's called, called the Carroll Food Intolerance Method Evaluation. And um, it originated in the 1920s, actually. And it was created by a naturopathic doctor named O.G. Mm -hmm. Carroll, who uh, was very, very famous in his time. He had a, um, a sanitarium and ha saw tens of thousands of patients. Uh, he was, some say he was the most famous doctor west of the Mississippi in the 1920s. Wow. Uh, yeah, so he invented this way of testing the blood where you take a little bit of blood on, on a piece of filter paper and then he, um, he patented this device that basically tests the blood against different foods. And so I do that. Now, there, wow. you, can't go to, um, you can't go to PubMed and find a randomized controlled trial proving or disproving this technique. However, this technique does not involve any intuition. It's not like an applied kinesiology test where you're doing muscle testing. It's not some intuitive woo-woo test. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually, it you know, requires a, a sample of blood and then um, running it through this machine. And then I had to be certified and trained uh, and only naturopathic doctors are allowed to run it in the world. 
So, um, so, that, so I find it to be the single most important way to identify the one or two foods that we cannot digest. Uh, and it literally wow. cured me a couple of diseases by discovering what, which ones I couldn't. And it took me forever to find out what the foods were, even though I thought I knew. I right, because unless you have an exact thing, you don't, I mean, yeah, again, I'm testing things out. I'm like, I think, I think. <laughs> But that's fascinating. I actually just learned something new. I didn't know about that, but I want to do that now. It's amazing. It's, and I'm not trying to promote it on this podcast or anything. I'm just saying for me, it's, um, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing evaluation. Wow. And so if someone wanted to do that, would they go to a naturopathic doctor to do that? Or where would they go? Yeah, you can go to the, it's called the Carroll Institute of Healing. Um, it's a, it's a nonprofit. Um, and I'm, I'm not affiliated with it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm recommending it. Uh, but you can go to their website, which is Carroll Institute of Healing, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. -R -R and uh, then there's different practitioners in there who offer it. Um, and there's only a oh. couple, hundred, I think, so you can find one in your local area. Um, some doctors do allow you to, um, to mail samples to them, but it just depends on, it has to be somebody in your state. So yeah, it's worth looking, looking there. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely live, leave a link to that. Cause I think that would, I'm sure that would probably interest a lot of people. It definitely um, has sparked an interest in me. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience uh, before we wrap up? I think the last thing I'd like to say is just that we can, we can really trust our body's ability to heal. It really starts with trusting that process and beginning to listen to our, to our signs and symptoms and, uh, and beginning to trust that, oh, our body's saying something and that they're actually, we actually do have the ability to heal. And so it really begins with an intention. It begins with, being open to the possibility of of healing and then that starts our journey so i think that's that's the last thing i'd like to say that's really a law of healing in the body if we're not open to it it's it's much less likely to happen mm. i think that is very very true and very powerful statement um kind of like you have to believe it before you see it <laughs> Um, I agree with that. And um, can you tell us where we can find you? Yes. So you can just go to my website. Uh, it's drreads.com. So uh, D double R double E, E as in boy, S as in Sam.com. Really easy. And you can find everything about me there. Thank you again so much for coming on to my podcast. Um, thank you everyone for listening to Naturally Nino podcast. Um, and stay tuned for our next episode. Bye, everyone.